0: introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy.
1: Alright, and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Protectors podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And it's been a little while. I will take the blame for this one. I was out of town. I was doing some training. Wasn't able to get on the computer to record with these wonderful gentlemen. But we're back here to get you ready for the final stretch of the season. And I'm joined, as always, with two of the smartest men on all of the internet. My man, fresh off the radio in Las Vegas, Doctor Eric Eager. My man, how
0: you doing? How you been? I'm doing great. Uh, Vikings had a nice little bye week. Um, we also had a bye week from winning any of our bets this week, so that was fun. Uh, but the the interesting thing will be this Monday night, man. I think the Vikings are a little underrated going into this matchup with the Seahawks. Oh boy,
1: well we'll definitely have to talk about that. And my man. The most wholesome gentleman on all of Vikings Twitter who has added, uh, video editor to his, uh, <laughs> his, 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 his large list of internet accolades, which, uh, you know, are aficionado, uh, nerd graphic designer and now, uh, Kirk Cousins highlight video editor, Nick. My oh, man, how you doing?
2: Yeah, it's the it's amazing the lengths you'll go to just to make a better meme for your online uh, profile. But yeah, it's uh it's good. This is the best part of the NFL season because you know we're, we've got a lot of really good games coming up. I feel like uh, it's kind of all gravy for here for the Vikings because the NFC playoff spots are all kind of locked in now there's i guess there's a possibility eagles could win the nfc east but otherwise vikings you know they're, they're they're probably locked in at least at the sixth seat at worst so especially given the rams loss um last night so uh anything um from here on out just kind of uh the the, the pressure's on from wanting to get home field advantage and especially a buy but um you know at, at this point it's it's kind of like we're, we're at least going to be able to make the dance so It'll be uh, fun to see how it all shakes out in the final dramatic finale to the season.
1: My my favorite part about you adding Vikings video highlight editor to your your online profile was that people thought that it was you rapping in that
2: uh, that song that you chose for a little <laughs> while. Hey hey, you don't know it wasn't. Oh, was a... the best part about that Kirk Cousins highlight video is like you don't know how seriously to take it because it's like. <laughs> It's like the song is actually pretty legit but but just because it's Kirk Cousins, you know. You, you you we've entered like post-ironic territory, but we're not sure if we're memeing anymore because he's actually playing really well. So it's fun. the memes
1: will never die. Ever ever. <laughs> they can't. But we're going to jump into it cuz like you said, the Vikings are playing well. Kirk Cousins is playing pretty well. Eric is thing Nice things about the Vikings. Vikings underrated. I mean, we definitely got to talk about that. So, with um, you know, some things that happened, a team that we don't love so much went out and uh had a result that we very much love to see, and it's kind of shaking things up, like you said, uh, change the uh, the playoff picture a little bit from what maybe we thought it was going to look like. So as we come down the stretch, Eric, talk to me, man. NFC North uh, looks to be anyone's ball game now. What do the numbers say? Do the Vikings have a chance? Are we going to be the team that comes out on top in the NFC North?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have the Vikings actually rated 6th in our power ranking, Green Bay ninth. However, given the way that it's currently constructed, we have Minnesota and Green Bay basically both winning 11 games in our simulations, both making the playoffs 90% of the time. Actually, Green Bay is a little ahead, 90.5, Minnesota 90.3. However, the first game of the season was still looms large in the division title hopes with Green Bay winning the division 59% of the time in our simulations, Minnesota winning it 40% of the time, Chicago winning another like half a percent of the time. Um, so the Vikings are obviously in a driver's seat to make the playoffs, uh, in the, in the NFC, but they, they have some ground to make up on green bay and i think what's important if you look at Green Bay's schedule they basically only play one good team the rest of the year and that's minnesota uh at us bank stadium so um if i'm a vikings fan i am think okay we want to win the nfc north um you know you sort of think about that and you know if you look at the three losses that minnesota has um you know the two division losses are really going to sting if for example both teams You know, both both teams can't win out. But let's say Minnesota wins out, and Green Bay only loses to Minnesota. Then I believe, given the fact that Minnesota will have had two NFC losses, Green Bay will have had two NFC losses. It goes down to the tiebreaker, which is division. And Minnesota would be four and two in the NFC North. Green Bay would be five and one, and that would be the tiebreaker. So that's why both teams basically have the same opportunity to win the same number of games. And go to the playoffs, but Green Bay still holds a sizable advantage in terms of the division title because of their easy schedule and the fact that they hold a decent number of tiebreakers with the Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, you really want Green Bay not only to lose to Minnesota, but lose a game here uh to either uh, Detroit or Chicago down the street. All right. So with that laid out there, Nick,
1: which of these teams you think can get it done for us? I mean, it stinks to have to really cheer for any of the teams in the division, but given that, you know. We want one of them to beat Green Bay. Who's going to beat Green Bay for us so that we can you know, jump ahead of them and get that spot
2: that we're looking for at the top of the uh, the NFC North? I think the Lions are a frisky team. I know their record is awful, but I feel like in most of the games they've played, they've been very competitive and have managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, and no wet, no, ta- no, game was that more apparent than the Trey Flowers' legal hands-to-the-face penalty that gifted the Packers that win in Lambeau. Week 17, they're coming back, and they're um, they're playing in uh, at, at Ford Field. So I think that could be an interesting one. I have less confidence in uh, Washington or the Giants or um, the Bears coming to Green Bay with Mitch Trubisky and having any of those teams. I mean, an upset's possible football is a lot less predictable than we generally say it is. So, you know, there's still probably a decent chance one of those teams pulls off the upset. But in any case, I think of the the ones remaining other than uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium, it's probably the the last game of the season with the Lions.
0: Yeah, the, the hard part about the last game of the season with the Lions is that there is a pretty good chance that Detroit is going to shut Matt Stafford down for the season with the back injury, given that mm-hmm. they're 3-7-1. and You're talking about broken bones in his back there's a chance that Jeff Driscoll might not even play this week, and we're going to see David Blow or whatever his name is. So I agree with you that if Stafford were playing for Detroit, they are a very plucky team, and at home they could give Green Bay some fits. Um, But unfortunately, um, if it's like Jeff Driscoll or somebody like that starting for the Lions in Week 17, uh, it might not work out the way the Vikings want. But as you said, Nick, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Football is very tough to predict. It's very hard to run the table, uh, and so while I give Green Bay a pretty good chance of winning, like let's say 65 to 70% chance of winning any one of the Giants, Washington, or Bears games, uh, you know, the the, the probability of, of winning all of them is 0.7 to the three power, which is just one in three, right? So um, that that's basically like what you have to sort of lean on if you're the Vikings, which is the... The fact that Green Bay is a deeply flawed team, and it's hard for deeply flawed teams to run off consecutive victories. Yeah, so
1: Eric, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, I uh, I'd asked you uh, early in the the season if uh, if Aaron Rodgers was washed, and uh, I mean you gave the right answer then, but we're watching him play now, and of course it's become kind of a bit from Ben Baldwin, but seems less like a bit now as the season goes on as. We see Aaron Rodgers not really making a lot of the plays that we'd come to previously expect from him. Uh, Is he washed? What's going on? What are we seeing? Because the last I think I saw on Twitter when the uh, NFC North quarterbacks were being ranked, even by pro football focus grade, uh, Aaron Rodgers
0: was not looking so good. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Rodgers is that he does not trust anything, right? So – um, he's always been a guy that, you know, waits until so we saw the play against San Francisco, for example, where he threw the ball out of the back of the end zone and Ger- Geronimo Allison, you know, ran out of the back of the end zone to catch it, use a yard or so out of bounds. If Rodgers throws that ball as he's breaking open, it's probably a touchdown, but he waits until he's absolutely open and and he misses the guy, you know, timing wise. Um so uh that that's a that's he just doesn't trust the offense. And the hard part is is when you face teams that have good pass rushes, you have to trust the offense because everything has to be on rhythm. And we saw that against San Francisco, he pats the ball, he runs around, he moves around, and that defense is too damn good to be you know messing around in the pocket with. They'll swarm you, and, and I don't I don't know if the Vikings defense is that good, um, but they certainly can give him you know give him fits. And I think when Rodgers is on his game, I don't think there's anybody who throws a prettier pass, or I don't think there's anybody who moves better in the pocket, you know, as a thrower, all that kind of stuff. But what's what's really, you know, I think separating him from what he used to be as, a, you know, the best passer in the NFL is, um, you know, basically he does not trust the the system around him. He doesn't have Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Jermichael Finley, all those guys anymore. He has basically Devontae Adams uh, and some running backs he likes to throw to, and unfortunately that's not going to cut it in, the, in today's NFL. So if we're asking the question again, is is he washed? I I would say he's not the best quarterback in the NFC North. And in relation to where he used to be, which is head and shoulders above everybody, then relative to that, he's washed. Yeah.
1: Nick, you wanted to to, to make a point?
2: Yeah, I'll say uh, two things here. If I can make a comparison to Kirk Cousins, I think part of Roger's problem is he is – and can be risk-averse to a fault, which sounds funny because we remember him for the amazing throws into tiny windows. But uh, the reason that that Rogers' passer rating and his interception percentage have been so dramatically lower than anyone else in NFL history, uh, with his kind of sample size over his entire careers, um, he just doesn't like to throw the ball into harm's way. And I think you're seeing. Um, since the later, well, even, you know, you could go as far back as the last five years since Rodgers kind of his efficiency dropped off uh, over those past five years. And I think it's it's connected that the, the, the skill of the supporting cast around him has not been as good and he's been sensitive to that. So you're seeing him. And I mean, that's why last year he led the league in throwaways is because if Devante Adams isn't open, probably no one else is. And he's just not going to take a chance. He's not going to fire it into some tight windows. He's not going to mock up his interceptions in the stat column. So um, and that's generally a good thing. You don't want your quarterback to turn the ball over. But when it comes at the expense of making positive plays for your team, um, that's where we start to see uh, declines in efficiency and, and too many throwaways and, and not not taking chances downfield when you need to be aggressive. So um, the other thing I would say is, you know, this, this year, if there's one thing that's been this year, it's been uh, in the NFL, it's been a changing of the guard at the NFL position. Obviously, Eli Manning got benched. Uh, Roethlisberger, who knows if he's, he's done for in, in Pittsburgh. Um, and then rivers also seems like he's, he's dropping off. And then, um, those, so those are the three quarterbacks draft in 2004 draft, 2005 draft. That was Alex Smith. That was Aaron Rodgers. So it's one year later. Rodgers is, I think he's actually came in a little bit younger. So he's still only what 35, um, soon to be 36, but he's not the same physical talent. I think. Um, In a lot of ways that you saw when he was winning multiple MVP awards. So I do think um, he's still capable of extremely impressive highlight reel plays, but the consistency isn't there for a lot of reasons. Um, And I don't think, I think he's still a great quarterback. I don't think he's in the top tier right now.
1: Wow. I mean, I like it. I like it. You know, it makes sense. And I I, I like that. I'm going to say I gave Eric some credit for being out ahead of this one and saying that, you know, the decline was here, maybe a little bit before everyone. I mean, Ben was probably the very first. He's been saying this for years now. But, you know, Eric, it's our show. You get credit here for being the first out there saying "Eric, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. Not the same guy anymore. But you made a comparison, Nick, to uh, our friend, the man of a thousand memes, Kirk Cousins. And uh, is it time? Because I know a lot of people, sometimes myself included, have been uh, a bit slow, to uh, to give Kirk Cousins the the credit that uh, that maybe he does deserve for the level of play he's been able to maintain throughout the course of this season, and I mean maybe before this last week, I think Lamar Jackson's play this week pretty much shut down those conversations. But there was even a bit of a, a bit of talk. You know, Stephon Diggs was doing the media circuit. He was saying that maybe Kirk Cousins should be viewed more seriously as an MVP candidate. Nick. Now that we can unequivocally say that the Vikings have the best quarterback in the NFC North, where would you put Kirk Cousins (laughs) in the MVP discussion?
2: I mean, it's tough now with Lamar kind of running away with it a little bit, especially after that and really impressive performance against the Rams. Um, But I would say you kind of have your top tier with Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. And after that, you kind of have a, a constellation of different guys with. Dak Prescott, and a few other guys, I think Kirk Cousins is in that second tier where he should legitimately be um, on the long list, but if we're talking short list, real contenders, I don't think Kirk Cousins has a comparable shot as Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. I think he is still very much capable of winning it, but it would take something like uh, dramatically outdueling Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football. That would be a good game to add to your MVP uh, resume. So, uh, hit... Cousins' problem is this the statistical production is there. Um, I think he's first or second in, in EPA per dropback. He's, I think, third in PFF passing grade. Um, he's basically every efficiency metric. I think he's first in passer rating. Um, he's crushing it. He's first in um, completion percentage above expectation from next-gen stats. So um, a lot of the predictive and the, the the best descriptive results that, that kind of tell you which quarterbacks are playing winning football cousins is um, it w- a top with all the other MVP candidates on every stat column. But the problem is he's facing the headwinds of being Kirk cousins and having this reputation as this marginal borderline franchise quarterback kind of guy. And so you see this kind of seasons, you know, it's, I don't want to compare him to Andy Dalton, but it's kind of like Andy Dalton back in what was that 2015 where everything was kind of going right. And people just weren't sure, even though it was, the best passing offense in football for a while there, just aren't sure if they're ready to buy in. Or to compare it again to, to someone we're familiar with, Case Keenum in 2017, people just aren't quite ready to buy in, even if all the numbers are there. So those are some those are some headwinds to, to face. But I think if you're actually watching the games, Cousins' throws is, you know, this isn't a Case Keenum situation because he is really playing elite football. You know, regardless of what kind of quarterback he's been in the past, the throws he's making – off-platform into tiny windows, 50 yards downfield, 40 yards into the back of the end zone, are just jaw-dropping. And I think if you are being honest with yourself, you'd you'd have to say that Kirk Cousins, the performance he's putting up, is as valuable and is contributing to the Vikings' victories as much as almost anyone other than, I would say, Russ and Lamar.
1: All right. There's one thing I want to ask you before I get uh, Eric in here. Um, How are we feeling? Because there have been these, 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 these points, you know, even the last game where we can speak to where like there are these valleys for Kirk in game where it doesn't look um as dominant as maybe some of these other guys have, have looked over the course of the season where it looks a little shaky, where, where Kirk maybe doesn't seem as it uh, as confident in his skills when those things are happening or the, or the Vikings seem to go into a shell and they're playing that very conservative game. Are you putting more of that on play calling and scheme or, or are you looking at that as just, you know, maybe current Kirk fighting against past Kirk. Like, Nick, when you're looking at those things where, you know, there are those periods of times where Kirk seems to kind of go into a shell a little bit, what are you attributing that to?
2: I, I think it really depends on the game plan, and I think Stefanski and Kubiak have done a really good job attacking different defenses different ways. So, uh, week one versus Atlanta, they barely even throw the ball because Dalvin Cook couldn't be stopped, and then... In um, you know, in other games, they just, the, the, against the Broncos game, they completely changed the offense in the second half and uh, just keep airing it out shotgun style. So um, that that in mind, I think the when when things are kind of sputtering a little bit, it it kind of depends. I think like take Week Four in Chicago, there you were seeing a Kirk Cousins, there was seeing an offense where they were they were designing plays that went downfield, and Kirk Cousins just wasn't throwing throwing it downfield. Um, whereas in the first half against Denver. Uh, you know, they were taking a lot of really quick throws and just kind of attacking the the, the flats and the sidelines with quick outs, stuff like that. Um, and and that wasn't Kirk being cousins being conservative. You know, you might look at his average depth of target after the game and think, wow, like, you know, we, he was really being conservative, taking checkdowns No, that's just kind of the, they were designed. A Denver defense is really good. And one of the best ways to attack a defense that kind of has everywhere covered is just to take quick stuff to the flats. Um, so I, I, I think. It, it kind of depends, and uh, in different games, different situations. The reason Kirk isn't succeeding um, might have to do with his own lack of aggression that pops up at times, although he's been significantly better than in previous years in his career. Might have to do with the game plan, just designing shorter throws, more conservative throws. Um, might have to do with guys getting open downfield, and might have to do with as in as in week two with Green Day, Kirk just. Um, playing really poor football and having an off day. So uh, it, it kind of depends on the game. I don't think there's any one single pattern you can point to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And
1: uh, and Eric, as we look at these numbers, obviously we're talking here and a lot of the MVP discussion is built on, I mean, it's generally, you know, the quarterbacks that are playing well, but there's also narrative and things that are built into it. So when you're looking at, I guess, the numbers, uh, you know, war, EPA, whatever, I guess you want to look at there. How do things shake out from your perspective in terms of which quarterbacks are actually the most valuable for uh, for the uh, the NFL this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a one man race. Unfortunately, I and I, you know, I was digging into the Ravens today, and it's one of those things where I think a lot a, a lot of that offense deserves a lot of credit, and unfortunately, what that does is it takes a little bit of credit away from Lamar Jackson. Um, who's been awesome. Um, and, and it puts a little bit more buy vote onto Russell Wilson, who I think, um, you know, the, the wide receivers that he's throwing touchdowns to Malik Turner, whoever the hell that is. Um, obviously, you know, Josh Gordon is, you know, coming off of, you know, being exiled again. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett's had, you know, injuries, uh, throughout the year. And then, you know, they don't really have a tight end on their team and he's still, you know, the Seahawks are nine and two uh and, and uh despite all those things um so for me uh you know i would say it's it's russell wilson and then a few rungs down you've got to go uh with players like Dak prescott um players like lamar jackson uh and then and then deeply in the conversation i would, th- would say it would be Kirk cousins and then before last week happened i think you also had to make a case for Derek carr um that you know as we know the raiders the raiders team is horrible uh, and, you know, a combination of Gruden and Carr got that team to two games above 500 going into last week. I think he's firmly out of it now after how badly he played last game. But yeah, I, I think Kirk is in the top five for sure. And, and a guy that you really have to, uh, you know, consider if the Vikings win out, go 13 uh, and three, uh, and they get a buy in the first round. I think he's, you know, obviously in the conversation.
1: All right. So Eric, last thing I wanted to talk to, to you, obviously Nick as well, but I'll start with you on this one, Eric. The last refuge of the, uh, the Kirk Cousins hater is he's being helped by scheme. They're doing too many things in the scheme to mask his deficiencies, and thus we shouldn't give Kirk Cousins full credit for what he is doing. It's not real. It's like Jared Goff in years past or other, you know, quote-unquote gimmicky type offenses, and it's not actually Kirk's skill. It's Kubiak, it's Stefanski, it's play action, and so Eric, um, I'm not sure if this is something we track or something that we're able to know or we're able to get to, but like, is there a way for for us to to look at what's happening based on the skill level of the players being put out on the field and the points being put up or whatever we want to see, to have a good idea of which of these top quarterbacks are being helped the most and the least by scheme, and is this argument about scheme Maybe making us overvalue what Kirk Cousins is doing, something that is actually valid.
0: Yeah, and and uh, this is me typing right now, trying to find our coaching metrics. Um, but I I do know um, that the top three rated offensive play callers in the NFL right now are Andy Reid, Greg Roman, and Kevin Stefanski. Um, I got I'm, I, Helen Moore was was that high going in uh, to basically the first month of the season. Um, but, uh, he has fallen off a little bit, but yeah, uh, you know, using PFF grades, you can basically say, okay, how, how, you know, how well should this offense have have performed, um, in a, um, you know, basically, you know, given this set of, uh, of players and how well did they perform and you can take that difference, you know, throw out throw out some noise in there and get a pretty decent idea. And these are the coaches you get. Yeah. So Reed, Roman, Stefanski, Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean Payton, and our old friend, Norv Turner. Uh, So those are the guys that are getting the most out of their, uh, basically their players this season. And that seems to make a lot of sense, Um, uh, you know, as teams that are sort of outperforming. Obviously Reed, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is awesome, but he also had the two games with Matt Moore. Stefanski, Moore, Kingsbury, Kingsbury took an Arizona team that was the worst offense in the NFL to an offense that is pretty, you know, representable week to week now. Uh, and obviously Sean Payton, um, as much as we love Teddy Bridgewater, uh, going five and zero with Teddy is running a hot, you know, above expectation. So that seems to be, I think, directionally correct. Uh, and, and so yeah, I mean, Stefan, you know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing up, you know, obviously plus play out of Lamar Jackson. We're seeing plus play out of Kirk, obviously, and, uh, you know, Kyler Murray as well as, as Dak Prescott, and uh, that can be attributed, I think, a decent amount to coaching.
1: So, I know that we've talked earlier about my like, coaching being something that is or can be a bit volatile. Um, so as we look forward, or you project, or you know, some of the conversations that are already starting in terms of you know, extending Kirk Cousins and things like that. So, given you know, the priors we have on Kirk Cousins and the help, I guess we can say that uh that he's getting currently from Stefanski. Nick, I guess what are your thoughts on maybe not this season, but how we should project or how we should think of Kirk Cousins moving forward given how he's playing now, what we've known of him in the past, and what we think we know about you know, coaching and, and how volatile it can be from uh from from year to year. Yeah,
2: it's a great question. Uh, and it, it really gets at, I think, one it's what's going to be the big decision for the Vikings this offseason is do they, uh, do they try and extend Kirk cousins? You know, the Vikings like to extend players before they enter into their final year in that offseason, So it'll be kind of a key decision point for the team is, is this, uh, are they going to write things out with Kirk cousins or um, are they going to be drafting a quarterback early or maybe some combination of the two? That's um, so a really interesting question to think about and, and think about, say, if Kevin Stefanski leaves for the Falcons or wherever else he might wind up next year, um, do we feel confident that Kirk Cousins can repeat this performance uh, with somebody else as his offensive coordinator? I I think you definitely um, have to be a a little leery just based on, you know, Kirk Cousins is, he's not a young quarterback. He's, uh, we have a significant body of evidence to say here are some things that Kirk Cousins does well. Here are some things that Kirk Cousins doesn't do well. And I think if you're looking at his pro scouting report, um, you know, there are a few things that you would say are a little bit better. He's probably been a little bit more accurate than um, I had previously expected him, you know, watching his Washington tape, I thought he was good. Um, but in the past couple of years, we've really seen, um, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say elite accuracy. He's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and over the, that's over two years. So that's, that's something that's good to see. He's been better under pressure. Um, and his, his passing statistics under pressure have been particularly impressive. But I think on film, he's been a little bit better. You still worry a little bit about the fumbles. You worry a little bit about sometimes um, he doesn't sense blindside pressure or sometimes he doesn't. Um, against interior pressure, he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, is, you know, where, where Tom Brady or Drew Brees, which is sort of sidestep and, and uh, navigate a, a, a condensed pocket, Cousins kind of won't. So that kind of gives you some pause. Um, and you're also, with Kirk Cousins, one of the big weaknesses is just the lack of creativity. He's not somebody who will create plays outside of structure um, and will instead... Uh, just sort of go through his go through his reads robotically and 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 make the uh, buy the book decisions, which is is usually that's what you want. But there are definitely times you want to break the rules and have a quarterback who knows how to break the rules, kind of like how Pat Mahomes does. So um, those are the things that kind of give me pause a little bit. Um, but I definitely think. Um, And a lot of the traditional metrics he's played, really. even his arm strength this year has been incredible. That throw he had to Diggs uh, for the the second to last touchdown in the Broncos game was just uh, that that took incredible arm talent. And I I think we're seeing um, a, a better quarterback this year than we had previously seen. So I would I would adjust your expectations upwards. But you also have to weigh it against the bulk of evidence we have from the past five or so years with Kirk Cousins. So. Um, I don't know where that ultimately lands him. I would nudge him up probably in the top 10 quarterback discussion going into 2020. Um, I don't think you should expect him to repeat um, everything that kind of just came together to go right for him this year. So I I wouldn't put him top five. I wouldn't expect him to be a perennial MVP candidate. I do think uh, he's probably going to continue to to play like a top 10 quarterback in a lot of the efficiency metrics and a lot of the the PFF grading maybe.
1: All right, Eric, and uh, we'll, we'll round things out with you. Uh, as we look forward, given what we thought we knew about Kirk Cousins before, the way he's playing right now, how do we project him going forward?
0: Uh, well, I, you know, I, th- I think he continues the way he's he's going uh, this season. I, I would say moving forward after this season, depending upon what happens, to me, I think you make the decision about Kirk Cousins after you make the decision about Stefanski. Or, or that decision is made for you um for me and i said this on on score north i've said this i think on my own podcast the for me if i'm the vikings and it's a decision about extending the zimmer tenure or losing stefanski i'm taking stefanski um because of just the way in which how limited you are if you're a defense first team and how committed mike zimmer is to keeping the defense at a certain level sometimes at the detriment of the offense in terms of free agency in the draft and so forth so um if stefanski's around as the offensive coordinator well paid or he's the head coach i i would make the decision to to keep kirk around for a little bit longer if not i think it muddies the decision making And, and i know that that's like kind of galaxy brain or maybe inappropriate to say but that to me is the it is the approach I would take.
1: All right. Well, there it is. Uh, that is it. That is all. Before we get out of here, Nick, uh, anything we should be on the lookout for? You chopping anything else up to uh, get us ready for this upcoming week? Uh, any articles? What's going on? Anything you cooking?
2: You know, I, I've been kind of wanting to write an article about Kirk Cousins' MDP candidacy and sort of go through the reasons why. Actually, you know what? There, there's a legitimate case to be made there, and then also look at hey, but. You there's also some significant um, objections to that that you're kind of going to have to deal with if you actually want to be serious about his MVP candidacy. So I've been thinking about writing that article, but I don't know if I'll have time. It's been pretty crazy uh, with work and personal life, but um, uh, I'll, I'll try and get to it if I can.
1: All right. And uh, and Eric, have you added any new offerings to your ever-growing portfolio of uh, media responsibilities?
0: you know I didn't uh I, I this week is a little bit uh tame I'll be on the daily line on NBC uh on Friday um we have a couple articles coming out with spread picks although uh you know this is how sort of tricky it is we were gonna write up the Bears minus two and a half and overnight it's gone out to minus three and a half which no longer has any value so I don't know exactly what we're gonna do with that um and then we'll write a sp- spread picks article for the Sunday and Monday games um other than that uh doing a little bit more work on uh some research and development uh internally for us uh which is a lot of fun um and uh doing some projects for some NFL te- you know so for some teams this week so that's uh that's exciting stuff you get to uh you know some of these teams i think are you know full full speed ahead towards the playoffs and other teams realize that they don't have a whole lot left so they're starting to think about the off season so um yeah uh i'm excited for the game monday uh, I think it'll be awesome to see our Vikings in action against a team that I think is pretty flawed, but has the best quarterback in the NFL. So uh just a, just, it'll be a fun week of football, guys.
1: All right. And uh I guess last thing, keep lying, saying the last thing here, just one word answer, Eric Vikings, get it done.
0: Uh, yeah. Let us just go with it.
1: Let's go with the Vikings. All right. And uh, and Nick, same question to you. Do the Vikings get it done? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, there it is. Look at you yeah. guys. Nick goes to Jeff Dubay. <laughs> Jeff Dubay back in the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I we, think so. Yeah, we we started off here, <laughs> you know, with positivity. Eric saying the Vikings are a bit underrated. You hear that flip? Eric said nice things about the Vikings round it out bring it all the way home and i heard a guarantee of victory that's all i heard so uh listeners as always thanks (laughs) for sticking with us gentlemen thanks for making the time and uh yeah we will talk to you soon have a good one